start with the with the intro to everything. This is the fourth talk we are doing a series of conversations with an uh, with artists in conjunction with Hondo Editions, a project that we've launched recently. It's a um, series of talks. So the project is a line of sustainable made-to-order jersey garments with the artist's work printed on them. Um, and one of the artists that we have is Joseph Delaney from Sort Magazines. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, Sort Studio, probably. Sorry for that. That's okay. We change it. <laughs> Mix up all the time. So let's start off with... Um, we'll do a bit of a history on you as well. So you, you're, you've had a vast career doing different things, but I suppose we were talking earlier and nowness seems to be the place that it, it, this has kind of all started with your contemporary work. Do you want a bit, a bit of talk from there on? Yeah, um, I started working at Nowness as an intern in 2014, I think, um, which, yeah, I was into you earlier. It was like quite fun to have started like in that way. Um, I kind of worked there for a couple of years. Um, and it's funny because I kind of went into that it, with the kind of like journalism approach in mind and was writing and like, I kind of enjoyed the aspect of it. Um, but the kind of like film stuff kind of bled into it. like my interest, I guess. I mean, I'd always been interested in like films, but I'd never like thought of myself as someone even interested in doing film because I mm. found it wanky and pretentious where it was just a big one. <laughs> but then, yeah, I kind of just, uh, Nowness was a video platform. So it just made sense that like that language became something that I was so, mm familiar with in like communicating a story obviously but also in kind of that leap from print to video just kind of made sense um but obviously you got to work as well in in loads of different aspects like you worked as uh, like in copywriting and as an ed editor and then and then into video and stuff as well yeah um so yeah i started off well my main job when i started was assisting the editor-in-chief which is a humbling experience as i'm sure <laughs> Uh, it was very, it wasn't very Devil Wears part of, it was like the person that I worked for was like very, like a kind person, but like the structure of how that works was as it is, mm -hmm. um, not for me. I'm not interested in, you know, getting someone's coffee. Mm -hmm. And I guess people tell you that you've got to do that stuff, but you don't. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to. I think it's a kind of a, a bit of a warped system, um, which I think has changed a lot. But yeah, uh, I think that it's it was it's weird to be put in a position in one of those places where you're supposed to kind of be there creatively and like inputting something creative. But you know, your whole life—I mean, this is true of so many industries and so many jobs—but your life gets consumed by crap, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of why I think that that whole like magazine structure didn't really work for me. Sure. And then, yeah, you left on and you, you kind of, you started working more freelance in, in video and video production and that side. Yeah. Well, I actually kind of got convinced into it by my now amazing executive producer, Mary, um, who runs Less Creative, who basically, uh, who I met through, um, like through various Nowness channels, but she's just like a bit of a legend um, and basically was like, you should make films and was like, do you want to kind of come on board to do that? And so I owe a lot of that, like, sight to be able to do that to her. Mm. Um, and... Essentially the opposite to what your intern experience was. 
Well, it's interesting because I learned so much about film from other people, from having to sit and watch other people's like every day. I'd have to watch like, you know, 10 films a day, short films. Um, and you learn so much just from having, from seeing people do it well, but you learn so much more from seeing people do it badly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen some shocking stuff, which is, I mean, everyone should make crap stuff. Yeah. Because um, that's how you learn to make, or to, I think it like teaches you how to, identify what's bad which i think is an important part like those people who think that they only have good ideas and they can only contribute positive things are delusional did you it's interesting you say that did you do you feel like you have made any bad work or did you learn yeah all all i was gonna say did you learn it all through other people's mistakes and then you almost didn't have to make those mistakes because you've experienced them through them no like i think I'm like a big believer in that you should continue to make mistakes and learn from them forever. And like, I think that there's no point at which you stop developing and learning. Um, but I also believe you should just like, if you do something bad, like just don't share it. Like you can kind of hide those things. It's like, you don't have to put everything, you know, when you're a student or whatever, that you don't have to put everything in your sketchbook of life. You yeah. kind of curate what you want people to perceive as your work. But that isn't to say that you're not going to make something that's bad. For sure, for sure. And then, so let's move on. That kind of all led up into Source, which you and Mass, who people don't know Mass, um, who is your partner, and you do work all your products together. I've known Matt for a long time through styling. Um, tell us about how you, because you, you both kind of worked within the magazine production realm, and then that was the sort of genesis. And tell me how it, how it started. Um... Yeah, so I was at Nowness, which, uh, even though it was like digital and largely video, still kind of has that magazine world view. And then we were also freelancing. I was kind of doing art direction with Matt Styling and like working with photographers on print fashion magazines um, for a while, which I kind of love doing. It's not really like, it's funny to reflect back on a lot of that work now um, because it was a landscape that was very different to now like I think that magazine editorial now is like quite grounded in what's happening like right at the forefront of you know everything from music to whatever um, but at that time I really don't think it was it like it immediately things came out that felt dated like it was quite a problematic landscape in terms of casting there was like a lot of um, like we even had like run-ins with like quite big modeling agencies about the way that they framed their diverse casting, like using words like urban and, you know, you'd have certain stuff and, you, you know, you'd say you'd want to see these faces and they'd be like, but this isn't an urban shoot. Like, why do you want a black model? And we'd be like, well, we haven't even requested that. Specifically, you're kind of seeing these things in what we're asking because of your own, like, lack of imagination. So it was kind of, we were like, we're so sick to death of this and not being able to do the things that we really want to do and knowing that the people who are making the work that we found most interesting had so much in common with we with us like in terms of music and nightlife like we saw people in the like corners of the same nights that we were going to um and to kind of not have that being publicly recognized at the time was like frustrating so we were like we'll just do it ourselves like there's such a rich history of doing self-made work that doing a zine was the like immediate first thought we were like you know we were quite into um a lot of music that is like from like punk to industrial to like the riot girl movement to everything that's kind of tied up in scenes 
um, that just kind of made sense. And I actually remember it was the year that, that uh, the punk singer, the documentary about Kathleen Hanna came out. And I remember going with like a really good friend of mine now who worked with me at Nowness, Matt and a couple of other people and having a drink afterwards and them all like reflecting on it being like, wow, what a great film. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Like, why am I working in this place? But I don't agree with the way that they position the world. Like, what, like, why am I contributing to that message? But then it was more of a like, literally the friend that I was with was like, I was like, I'm going to have my notice in tomorrow. Like, fuck this. And she was like, don't do that. Do your own thing. Like, do like you know carve out your own voice did she so she said to do it on the side to kind of continue and then and then build up your own well i think she was literally trying to like talk me off the edge by saying anything possible because i was literally like i'm fucking quitting i can't do this. yeah um, i think i think we've all we all go through those those kind of moments um so it and it because we talked about earlier as well um how did you describe like at the time everything seemed more like aspirational and like almost too, too decadent and it was there was no real like there was real, no real personality yeah there's real elitism to it yeah it was like cultural elitism it was a vision of the world that was prescribed by you know like like some very narrow view of what the world should be and there wasn't any room for an alternative perspective which i just don't think is the case anymore which is great mm -hmm. um and it was largely because obviously all of those magazines were run. I mean, I'm talking about the mainstream magazines, but also like the ones that were like supposed to be about youth culture or whatever, um, were run by like straight white privileged people because that's just the way that it is. But then they're obviously only hurt and there was a lot of gatekeeping involved in that. But then there was also this other thing that was an acknowledgement by those people that there was something wrong with that, but then an, uh, an unwillingness to do anything about it. Like there were people that I work with that would be like, well, yeah, like obviously, you know, diversity is an issue, which I would like make quite vocal a lot in a way that I guess was probably quite awkward. Um, I was probably a nightmare to work with. I know I was a nightmare to work with, um, but it was like important. And I know that a lot of those people have now changed their tune a little bit. Mm. Um, and a lot of them have been fired, which is great. <laughs> which is great. Um, it's interesting that you say that because I I, I, I had a similar kind of idealistic, idealistic view when I came in that because I had people who didn't know before I had my own fashion label which I showed at Fashion Week and, and did all that but I, I had that kind of idea that if you if you did if you made something interesting and creative then the magazines want to feature you and they put it in whereas like they're all just tied into even the 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 youth culture ones you're talking about were all just tied into advertisers so they have a budget of garments they have to use for from gucci louis vuitton whatever and then once it got down to the end there was basically nothing left for for anybody in the thing so it's it was it's just it's a it's a pipe dream essentially of these and those scraps were then filled in by like the friend the designers that were friends with the yeah editors, Again. of course makes sense but yeah exactly but i can't get to that so it it's initially started off as a zine what we were talking about earlier as well that it is it isn't necessarily a magazine or a zine but it's more about like the community and the culture around it because you work in like video you work in events and you do like everything did it initially start off as the idea for the magazine and then it it grew from that or was it right from the start you're like we want to do everything we didn't even have a plan the first one that we did was like a random thing we were just like we want to make something that's 
I remember we kept talking about it. We had all these like things that we would talk about. Um, and I just kept saying, I want to make something that's ugly. Like I'm sick of like this because it was back again when there was like quite a narrow idea of what beauty meant in fashion. Mm -hmm. And then that was glossy, but like kind of tacky. Um, and we wanted to just do something which now reflecting on it wasn't ugly at all. It was just like slightly more like vibey. Um, so we just like did a shoot with a photographer and then ended up like making a load of other stuff um, and just putting it together in a zine and not really thinking about what it meant until the second one that we did, which was then like, well, we've made this thing. We might as well just make another one. We didn't really have any purpose for it. But that became like completely about the community and was like, because we were going, I mean, we've been going out so much since we were allowed to go out and before. Um, you know, like so much of our life was tied up with nightlife, the underground, like club culture. Um, and it was just natural that that would be it. But we, yeah, we would kind of like cast people from the scene to be in shoots. It was like that simple, like that's all it was. Mm. Um, and not really for any like big grand reason other than that that's just what made sense. We were like sick of not seeing those people who were definitely more interesting than the people that were in the magazines. Yeah, sure. That that's it. That, um, that subculture, I mean, that's that the word is thrown around so much. But subculture seems to be vital to to the, the whole community. Uh, do you and I? We've like vaguely talked about it before, but the, do you feel like we're losing subculture at all, or do you still think it's there? Or is it just, how is it kind of is, is the internet? giving us such a broad reach of people that it's you're kind of losing these kind of little pockets of what's going on? Um, I don't know, because I think of subculture as like, yeah, like it's, it's a really weird word. I mean, the first, I, I think the first time I actually knew this word was because there used to be a goth night in Birmingham where I grew up called Subculture. Amazing, <laughs> love it. Arling Academy. Um, so even for me, it has this kind of like, it's not really that like great a word that's that useful. Um, but I don't think, I think that, yeah, it's like a tribal thing where you are drawn to the people that are like you for, you know, inspiration, protection, all of these things. So I don't think that'll ever, ever disappear because, you, you know, you're always going to need that. But I think that because we can't, you know, the one thing we're disconnected from is nightlife. Mm -hmm. um, that's impossible at the moment. It's just like we feel really disconnected from our community because we can't see them in the day. Like, you know, we're talking to each other on DM or whatever, but it's not the same thing. It's not the and same. it's not even like the same relationship that you have. It's like your friends you go get lunch with. It's like, there's just something a bit different about it. So I was actually going to touch on that at the end, but it's, it seems like a perfect place to go into it now that the, the goth culture, I mean, you were, you were kind of like developing this, this, this creative handwriting ever since you were a teenager. And it was like, uh, like the typography in like black metal is something that just like re really talks to you and, and the music and, and everything. So do you want to talk about a bit about that and the... Yeah, um, I think this came up, yeah, this came up because we were talking about like why it's been, I think, and how it kind of, why not a magazine? I think for me, it was like, not just about communicating, you know, like something through an image or in a magazine. Yeah, that was it. We, you know, in a magazine, there's like very formulaic ways of communicating that are yes. like, you know, you have your edit, like image editorial, you have 
um, like features and like short features, like long form features, all of that stuff that is great and I love and like it's like a lot of what I get inspiration from. But for for us, like the zine isn't that at all. It's something closer in line to the ephemera around music. So when I was a teenager, I was obsessed with you know when you got a CD or like however old you are when you got a record or whatever or a. Yeah. Uh, the like album artwork that came with that is this like rich little book of mm. imagery usually and like there tends to not be any information in it apart from lyrics which I probably wasn't reading um, it was more about this encasing that had in it this visual language that then spoke to more than you know you've got the sound that comes from the music but it was there's more to it than that and then beyond that, it was like, yeah, you know, growing up in a place that has a very strong music uh, community, like Birmingham, to where like metal was born. It's like a huge centre for, or it was a huge centre for like goth culture and pretty much every culture, like the rave scene in Birmingham was crazy in the 90s. Um, the emo scene was great. <laughs> <laughs> it was all there. I think you, you said it very well that, um, earlier that it's like you could essentially take away the music but the whole yeah. scene would still be there. So you'd still have this, this, this handwriting through the entire scene. Yeah, like music was the thing that everyone was kind of drawn together for. And like you kind of identified with the people that listened to the same music for you. But actually it was about everything from the way you dressed to, uh, yeah, like the stuff you bought, like, you know, the patches you put on your clothes, the like pins you put on your bag. Like you could tell that you had something in common with someone without having to listen to what's in their headphones. It was like, more than that it was like all of these different i mean i understand what it is completely it's like cultural markers mm -hmm. that you identify with and yeah for me that was just like so early on such a heavily imprinted thing mm -hmm. that now yeah becomes this visual language that i understand and i identify with and i see in a lot of other things like it comes up a lot that raf simmons has exactly the same not the same reference point exactly but the same attraction to he always refers to it as like youth culture and you know the english north but it's like the ephemera around music it all is it's like always joy division yeah you know joy division, new order peter Saville, all that yeah and that's that's exact that's actually a very 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 good comparison in terms of like peter Saville created this whole visual identity behind what joy division and almost the the manchester scene was almost separate to it and it's almost remembered as a thing like the amount of Joy Division t-shirts I have one the amount, yeah, of, the amount saying, of them that you see around imagine how many people know of that and don't know what Joy Division sound like, like yeah. there's, probably, there's as many people in the world that have seen that without knowing what it is absolutely so that was something that you brought into into source that kind of um, or was being, it your actively it's always like a collaborative thing and Matt is the same, but I guess maybe slightly more than me identifies with the style aspect of music. So like, mm. you know, Matt's obsessed with a lot of musicians, artists like Bowie, Grace Jones, Madonna, who have such a visual identity that that's again, as important as their music. Mm. Um, so then like as a stylist, it makes it, it's exactly the same reason he's come to it for exactly the same purpose, but probably identifies slightly different things in there. So it just made sense that that's kind of how we would bring stuff together. And it tends to be how everything we make is always somehow connected to music. Mm -hmm.
Well, that's, I think it's perfect transition into, we're talking about different aspects of it. And video obviously is massive for you. And you, and like you said before, I think it's why you and Matt work so well together is that you have the different like counterpoints to what your ideas of the, the thing should be. But if we talk about uh, Naked is a band that you worked with a lot and they're a big part of like the industrial scene. Do you want to talk about some of the, like, the music video and the projects that you've worked with on them? Yeah, so they, um, that one was a really nice thing because it came through actually a contact at Nowness. So my old editor at Nowness, Terence, um, who had left at that point, but like texted me being like, like knowing that I was really into like older industrial music and like kind of a lot of like noise music that was coming out at that time, like four years ago, um, texted me being like, oh, because he was co-running this label and said, there's this band that I think you should work with um and actually they were just had a music video that like someone from the label was already making it was like pretty uh like quite simple in terms of aesthetic it was this like studio shoot it was interesting um and they actually asked us to style it and it was interesting because matt couldn't do it he wasn't there that day he had like another job on so he sort of like prepped it all and i went and styled it which is hilarious to me now because i like i'm not a styler <laughs> but I remember walking in wearing a Pharmacon t-shirt which is like an amazing New York like power electronics industrial artist and Alex from Naked was like what the fuck like how do you even know what that is yeah, yeah. how do you know what that is like what instantly friends um, so we just yeah like kind of hit off straight away and became friends and then they actually started playing at our any like parties that we were doing they played a lot um which was great. Like every time we wanted to do anything, it was always in like a like tiny basement club. It just made so much sense to have what they do, which is this like crazy little cocoon of like energy and like it's so raw. Um, and it's quite confrontational. So like Aggie, who's the kind of performer in Naked and, and vocalist is like gets right up in your face. So it kind of made a lot of sense. It was kind of this way to really like try and connect with people. Um, and yeah, they to do a music video for them for their new album, which was yeah amazing. We it was really weird to be able to work on something like that, but which was like such a like passion thing anyway, which always music videos are. But then with like such good friends, um, mm. so yeah, we kind of like all got a bit crazy and threw ourselves into it. And then immediately after the shoot, went out and I got very very ill from staying out for them. <laughs> we've done like did it properly um yeah and that's uh, i think it's really nice as well that it just it's again it ties it, it i like the fact that it all grew so organically like it was like friends of friends you got in point of contact and then it, it kind of built up that way again it's like all tying back into how the scene is important um and then another project that you worked on was the uh recent one was the rhythm and resistance one for vogue it was like the celebration of pride yeah um that was interesting it was tough so basically we got approached by um someone who i used to work at uh, now it's actually with her sort of all road sleep by Tanana, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine who's an amazing commissioner and producer who um, now like runs Vogue, British Vogue Studios, so approached us to ask if we'd like to contribute something to their Pride series, which is basically kind of, it's very broad brief about like 
communicating i think it was about communicating like some aspect of like lgbt life in the uk today which was like obviously for us like such an amazing opportunity to be able to go back to exactly what we're always interested in but to a new audience and kind of shed a light on like the dark corners of all the little clubs that we've gone to and the amazing people who have done so much in those communities because i think that the thing that i always like to point out between the difference between lgbt the focused clubs and nightlife and like what you know the other 90 percent of the population sees nightlife as largely is that for other people it's going out and for people in the community it's life or death a lot of the time it's about um I mean, literally finding safety, like there's a reason they call like queer safe spaces safe spaces because it's literally the place where some people might be able to go and not be beaten up or attacked or be able to present themselves the way that they are. Mm -hmm. But also there's like, you know, so much rallying around of people to do activism to get kind of a community together to be able to have a voice to actually change and actually real things in their lives, which is incredibly interesting and important and inspiring. And something that I just don't think that most of the population necessarily knows. Mm. Um, and the other half is like the fact that the creative thing that comes out of clubbing, like there's so much there that you meet all of these people, like-minded people and so many connections get made through clubbing because you're going somewhere because you have like a point of interest and a point of reference and that immediately gives you a connection to the people that are there with you. So obviously it makes sense for these people to start creating things together. Um, so yeah, what we did was um, kind of chose a handful of nights that we personally found had done extremely important work in various aspects. So there was, um, uh, I think there was five different clubs or communities or like different corners of the world. And it was kind of a way, but what I found so interesting about that project as well is that even though there were these completely separate missions and separate things that everyone on set knew each other they'd all worked together in some way or other and there was like such an energy of like i mean it was like actually like overwhelming emotionally like i think we were all like on a come down the next day from it because it was also in the middle of the proper lockdown i'm not supposed to have done that but yeah. um, we had to get all these people together in what was a time when there were no clubs like we couldn't do anything um so that was yeah tough um but yeah probably the thing that we're the most proud of because it was probably the thing that has the most actual like connection to real stuff that's going on mm. and how tell me you feel uh, talking on don't want to talk too much about pandemic but in terms of what's happened because obviously the the music industry is is kind of crumbling at the moment and clubs are going to be affected a lot like how, how do you feel on these clubs like, do you feel like the scene is going to survive or come out the other end completely different? Or because obviously you're saying these these spaces are real safe spaces for some people out there. So do you think it's going to be uh -huh. come out the same? Yeah. So I think I don't think. It, I mean, it's going to have been over a year by the time we get back to things reopening again. It will be over a year since, sure. which is a long time for start. So a lot of the venues will have closed, I think, and there's un. Fortunately, no support for the ones that really matter. It's like the support's going to like fucking what, what's a um, secret cinema and all of these things that are like for profit organizations yeah. that need support. Yet the independent clubs that are like the beating heart of the community are getting nothing. So mm. I don't know about that. But in terms of the community, like they're still there, like people, you know, they're 
just locked away and like the second mm. that things are able to be back to normal and in some sense people keep telling me that you know things are going to go back underground and i think that's probably true that things are going to have to like recede back into the corners a little bit more than they were before um which is good and bad it makes it less accessible like you know if you've moved to a new city it's not that easy to find a place to go that's like that but then in some respects that's quite good because it kind of weeds out the people that shouldn't be there because it's not for them so, so do you mean it's becoming a bit going to become a bit more restrictive a bit more secretive yeah yeah well i mean there's no venues left yeah that's true yeah yeah um another thing i want to touch on with the vogue uh you'd mentioned before as well that it is what was it just at the time but you said there was a lot of um stuff happening in the government in terms of like trans rights with the laws and that was happening at the exact same time and did that kind of creep into your work or was that actively a part of your work or that was definitely a considerate like we the reason we were doing it like the week that we got asked to do that project we were actually out of london so we went to lock down where matt's from on the isle of Sheppey, um which is a place that i couldn't possibly describe as being more different to living in hackney like there's <laughs> a sea of white faces it's like extremely ordinary like it's quite right wing um which in some respects was like great to be there to be kind of able to see that other perspective because obviously we live in such a bubble mm -hmm. the exact time that the kind of biggest moment in black lives matter happened so it's like quite interesting to be asked to do this project that's about something that's kind of a social issue pride which is actually a you know, this is spoken about in our pride and protest, like it started at the protest. Mm -hmm. um, so immediately for me, it was like, that is something that gets lost. Like everyone thinks that you go to pride to like wear a jock strap and get wasted and do whatever people do. I've never actually been to pride. Um, but the origins of it is actually against, it's uh, the history of it is actually a response to and right to police brutality. Mm -hmm. LGBT people, mainly trans women of colour in uh, bar in, New in in the New York scene. So like the fact that that was sort of has been watered down and watered down so much, and then there was this huge civil rights moment at the same time as then there was loads of legislation going through um, both American and UK and across Europe um, to kind of strip trans people of certain rights or write in other. Um, like terminology into law that basically was opposed to trans people being able to live lives in ways that they have been doing anyway so there's this large thing about um, access to bathrooms and it's like there's been no policing of bathrooms since you know the 80s or whatever that isn't an issue but it's being made an issue because basically it's a way to kind of target and, and whip up a lot of hatred based on fear and ignorance about trans people so it felt like um, to be given an opportunity to do anything, it just felt like we should obviously hand that over to those issues rather than making it about ourselves. Sure. And is that something that you, you do you see yourself bringing political messages into a lot of your work or is that just kind of like just project by project? I mean, personally, I think it's always been there. I don't think I've ever made anything that's not got a political undertone, but I think for this, and I mean like social political. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But for this, it was like the first time we've done it in a way that's pretty on the nose. It was like 
a documentary in a way that we wouldn't have made normally because I think the format is quite straightforward and I think we normally want to be a bit more playful. Um, but for this, we were like, it needs to be clear. It needs to be direct. It needs to talk to people face to face. So that was the only way of doing it. So that's why I think it seems more, yeah, politically driven, but it always is. It's always been about identity and freedom of expression and all of the things connected to that, which are massively politically driven and, you know, social issues always are. People that say it's not political are the same people that say it's not personal. It's always personal. It's always political. It's just how you choose to frame it based on whether it affects you or not, basically. Mm, absolutely. Um, okay, so going on from there, I think we should we have a talk about um, the images that you have for the, the collaboration that we've done. So I've got the first one up here. So this is, this is they're all from one series. They're talking about an ep, uh, exhibition you did actually with Naked, right, in 2017-18? So yeah, it was an exhibition that we got asked to do um, in this great space called Space 31 in Berlin that um, I found really interesting, particularly because the space frames itself as an art space that's like concerned with commerce and it's run by a fashion designer which is, is largely why um but she's got this like quite i mean she's very very smart um and has like quite an interesting perspective about how the art world is connected to commerce and how all of these things kind of fit together which is very berlin mm -hmm. um so we actually got asked as one of the things that we did there was to make uh, a product make a t-shirt um before we'd even decided what it was, it was just, they have a thing there that every single artist or every single exhibition that they've put on there has a single product. Um, so then we kind of were just like pulling together all these different things that we were working on and we were kind of in between other projects. And uh, it was like kind of in the middle of our like long-term collaboration with Naked. Um, so we asked them to do a soundscape or like a sound, like basically give us some sound that would like, soundtrack to the whole exhibition um and it was like work that we'd created on our own but also a photographer of ours who we work a friend of us who we worked with on saw um we asked her for a series as well so it's actually some work that had been ended up being in the zine um and the thing that kind of connected them all together was obviously from naked there was like a sound element and they're noise musicians and the exhibition which was the curator's idea was actually ended up being called sound and noise because the connection between all of the work was this idea of like a noisy dirty quality so like the series that amy Watkin did was this series of piss play it was like a images are of Matt that I took is actually still some of the video and there's these ones and some slightly more explicit ones that are like quite they're like abstracted the other ones but there's like that kind of dirty muddy quality to them this is because it's actually a still from a tiny film camera like mm -hmm. a camera um, and yeah it just seemed quite nice that there was this connection to all of these things that was like the seediness and dirtiness that you expect with like not safe for work visual content and like obviously there's the noise world and then there was the 
the way that all of those things cross over with like sexuality and identity and like the presentation of an image that is quite dark and dirty and that's you know a lot of what we do and still kind of get like people being like scared of or responding in like shocked ways which i think is ridiculous because i personally find all of that stuff quite tender like it's obviously the series between us is like an intimate thing the series that Amy did, if anyone knows Amy personally, would know that she's an incredibly, like, gentle person. And that the series that she did with this person, they're pissing themselves, but it was an incredibly intimate exchange that they had. Like, what I don't see any kind of, like, violence or anything seedy in it. It wasn't. It's, and it's, I guess, about reframing. Like, everything we're doing is kind of trying to give a more sympathetic eye to something that has been generally looked at with fear or distaste or misunderstanding again mm. well, it's just that that fear of the fear of the unknown as well where it's like uh, the industrial even going to like an industrial gig like you talk going to a a naked gig this is naked the band for anyone we were we've just joined that it could be very intense and very scary to someone where it's actually like a really comforting great community that kind of makes everybody feel welcome yeah, absolutely. So we, we, made, sorry, yeah. we made a film, like one of the first films, um, it's the first one I made for Nowness, uh, was about the scene that we go out and it's kind of the techno scene that is called Techno Goth, which actually started as a joke, but it seems to become a film. Um, that it's the crossover of like the queer techno scene and, and there's a lot of connection with industrial and noise in that scene. It's a lot of the same people who you, you know, uh, the same like Alex and Aggie from Naked were also part of that same community. And basically we made the film to kind of present that to the world, that these are some of the most least scary, polite. I mean, you go to like a thing like Chaos, which is one of the parties that we profiled and it's the most intense thing in the world. But we took a couple of friends who'd never been before and they were like, I have space, like no one's pushing me. Like if mm. someone's pushing, they apologize and buy you another one. Like there's like such a misunderstanding about that community that they're like, yeah, scary when it's like, actually I'm more scary, scared going to like all bar one on a Saturday night where some like drunk louts come and spill a drink on me and like punch me. I I remember the first time I went to Bergheim and it was like, it was such an intimidating experience but the second you got in, it was just like, everyone was just doing their own thing and it was like, everyone was really happy to be there and really passionate about the scene. Whereas exactly when you say, if you go into Soho or something or wherever, and it's just like, chaos and you will you get like spat on and fucking kicked by someone you know what i mean yeah um bring it back to images as well a bit I, I, one of the things i like that you talked about is that it, it was almost the idea of the music like kind of passing through the image it was like the it was almost being warped by the image do you want to talk about a bit about that aspect um yeah it was just it was kind of more that all these things were like connected in this like unspoken way that was yeah like just this kind of shared like vibe that was about their kind of imperfection and i mean that's kind of like the whole point of noise like noise music mm. is that it's kind of those unwanted i think the way that it's literally defined is about like sounds that are unwanted or nuisance or you know everyone knows what they think noise sounds like like static sound or whatever um but yeah that idea comes from it being this like unwanted discarded thing that's then repurposed to something that's does sound aggressive but you find beauty in that um 
in that like ugliness i guess which is kind of what we always go back to and like i think there's the same across the images that there's that kind of noise is found in those images i mean like literally they're like you know a noisy image mm -hmm. um, but that kind of symbolically it's the same thing that runs throughout all of them i loved as well that you talked about some uh, some of them were so abstract as well when you had them in the exhibition that's oh, yeah. cool. Uh, so there's, that's the one that I mentioned that was um, more, I won't say what it is, but it's way more graphic. Yeah. Uh, but it's, yeah, very, I mean, it's very blurred, very abstract, and then it's blown up. They were like A1 or A0 images made from like an eight millimeter original image. Um, so they're abstracted to a point. So like half the people came in and like the curator who was working with us on it was like, oh, well, I love these. They've got such a like weird texture to them. And other people were like, oh, fuck, like that's a lot. And like yeah. some people kind of got it. It was like a magic eye puzzle. Like you kind of, if you got it, it was like very in your face. But then other people were just like, oh, it's quite a like beautiful abstract image. Dirty um, magic puzzle. I love it. Magic eye. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. I think that's the, the perfect place to finish. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. For everybody out there, there's um, the sort scenes. Uh, Amdo Editions collaboration will be available on the Amdo uh, website. You should also check out Sortzine um, for all, they have got all their videos and the work and the zines available up on the website. So thanks a million, uh, yeah, And I guess just to say that the charity that we- Oh yes, the Mermaids. Chose, yeah, to yes. uh, like our contribution from the editions towards Mermaids was a, a charity that helps gender diverse and gender non-conforming youth. So it's like a kind of an extension of that kind of struggle that we were talking about before. Um, that, and, and a lot of that uh, kind of fear mongering that's whipped up is the kind of, oh, think of the children, um, which has actually unfortunately really negatively affected the, the support that's been given and the funding that's been given to transgender young people. Um, sure. That's a great, uh, a great cause. Absolutely. So for everyone uh, who doesn't know, that's 20% of the profits from the sales of their particular uh, t-shirts will go towards mermaids. Um, thank, thanks again, Joseph. Yeah, thanks for having me and letting me winter on. Great to talk to you. We love chats here. We absolutely love chats. It was great to, great to delve into, into the scene. Talk to you later. Yeah, speak to you soon. Thanks, thanks everyone for joining.